Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh, and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Friday is a great day to listen to us talk with you about sports. We have Kyle Madsen, producer at 95.7 The Game. We dive into a lot, but mainly the Niners, San Francisco, what that team's going to look like this season. Then we give our predictions on Fi Island, and college football is getting kind of weird, but we have the answers. Remember to stay plugged into our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Burst Your Bubble. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. You can even get us on your Alexa devices. If you're bored at home, just tell her to play Burst Your Bubble podcast. Then remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. It is Friday, Kyler. We are done with the week, done with everything. We are headed to the weekend. What plans do you have with Big Fire Baseball, and how intense were the games today? So your week is ending, Josh. Mine just began. Uh, Today's games were full of pitchers' duels. Uh, A lot of really, really great teams here this weekend, so uh, a lot of really high competitive pitching, a lot of uh, guys on the mound. Uh, The first guy on the Big Fire Baseball story, if you're listening to this early enough, on Friday morning, you can go check it out. Uh, The first story, he's actually an Arkansas commit. He's 16 years old. His fastball tops out at around 90. And on that story, he's throwing an 84-mile-per-hour slider. So uh, that's just a sneak peek of uh, of what I'm dealing with, Josh. Um, Also paying paying attention to a lot of golf, paying attention to everything going on in the sports headlines. Uh, We'll get into those in just a second. What about your weekend? What do you have planned? I have golf planned, playing golf, as well as watching golf. So that's what my plan is. Today, Friday the 10th, I'm going to be on the golf course. I'm going to be working, doing emails, feeding calls, fielding calls, fielding emails. End of the day, I'm going to be going to the golf course at the end of my work day. I'm going to have a fantastic time on the course. I'm looking to shoot under 90. And I'm going to, uh, you know, improve my golf game. I'm going to make sure I'm carrying and uh, using precision precision on every swing that I do. Yeah, nice. Precision. Uh, so precision. you said you're going to break 90. Uh, have you broken 100? So the, the two times I've played this year, I've shot a 98 and a 94. Right, yeah. So so we are ready to break 90. Uh, Josh, I mean, you said it, you said it best. Uh, I mean, just go out there and just try and get better. Just go out there and try your best, do everything you can to get better at golf while you're out there. And that's the only thing you can do. And that's what I'm going to try my hardest. I'm going to try my hardest to just focus on every swing that I take. No swings off. I'm going to try to take away the strokes on my putt, on my putting, and I'm going to try to take the strokes away uh, from everything that I'm doing. I'm going to try to focus, and I'm going to break 90 for the first time in my life on Friday, July 10th, 2020. No swings off. No, no swings, swings off. off. I love You're, that. Look, I am going to be as big a news as what we can talk about next weekend. The what cat is, is back, Kyler. He's back. The cat is back. He said he was excited to get back out there and compete, and we get to watch the cat next weekend. Dude, I am so fired up for Tiger. Tiger Woods is going to be playing golf that we can watch live next weekend. And that field is going to be absolutely stacked. This is going to be a fantastic test for Tiger to see where he's at through, through the coronavirus, through the quarantine. Has he been practicing? Has he been keeping up? This is going to be a, a great, a great test for Tiger. Do you think Tiger would even think about coming back if he wasn't absolutely sure he could win the memorial jacks tournament i saw tiger in the fundraiser a few weeks ago maybe a month ago now tiger woods is ready to play golf tiger woods is absolutely ready to play golf and i think he absolutely planned his return to jack's tournament like i said so jack came out and you told the pga tour oh you need it you need a venue the john deere uh, the venue canceled in Iowa. You need somewhere to host your tournament. I, you know, me being the, the godfather of golf, the greatest of all time, use one of my courses. Just use it. Just use it two weeks in a row. It's fine. No big deal. Just use it. It's fine. 
Tiger says, you know what, Jack, I'm going to take a little bit of that shine away that second week. I'm going to come back and I'm going to win that motherfucker. And you're going to hand me that trophy and I'm going to cough on you. So I'm going to call it here before you can dibs it. Give me Tiger in the top five next weekend. Give me the Tiger win. If Tiger is not in the field and I'm not picking Tiger to win. Give me Tiger top five. I can never, Josh, Tiger can never win a golf event again that I won't have a bet on him on. If Tiger's in the field, Kyler is betting the win. That's what you're telling me. I'm not missing it. I don't blame you because there's money to be made. Especially, so what are the chances? And, I, you know, I think it's actually a pretty decent chance. He comes out, and we can get into this obviously a lot more next week. The news just broke that he comes out and flops next weekend. I think it's absolutely none. Like I said, uh, I don't think he even entertains this return at all if he's not in the absolute best shape possible to make a run at Jack's title. I mean, his, his years of coming out and flopping at tournaments like this at, at non-majors, it's, they're over. If he's showing up, he's showing up to dominate. He's showing up to win. I think uh, this week, I think probably, I mean, I think we saw uh, Colin Morikawa get to seven under today or yesterday on Thursday. Uh, I, you know, I probably think maybe 22, 23, maybe 24 under wins this weekend. Uh, I think next weekend, it's probably somewhere around 18 to 19. It's going to be a lot tougher. I, I think Tiger shoots no less than 14 under. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty good call. I could see Tiger shooting about, and honestly, 14 under shooting a little bit low. I could see 14 to 16, you yeah. know, somewhere right into there. He's going to be playing right into it. Sunday day next week is going to be one of the best days of golf that we've had in a long time. Being able to watch Tiger in, again on that Sunday red, the crowd is the if CBS can follow him. That's going to be the key. We've talked about yeah. it over and over. If CBS can follow Tiger, it could be the most dynamic thing in sports we've seen in a long time. Oh, and you also said you. I think you slipped up there a little uh, creature of habit. You might have said you may have said uh, the crowd. I did. I said the crowd. You heard it. I said the crowd. The crowd is not going to be following Tiger. And I think that, that I think that could take a little bit of the Tiger effect away because these guys are used to hearing the crowd, you know, roaring every time Tiger hits a fairway. And, you know, if he's on 14 and they're on 16, I think that's going to, you know, that's going to have an effect here. Well, uh, sure. But, I mean, we also saw that, you know, even without the, even without the, uh, without the crowd, we've seen guys kind of, you know, fall victim to that TBS, that tight butthole syndrome. Uh, coming into the last three, four holes of the tournament, um, the last three or four tournaments, we've seen guys fall off either going into that round or later in the round. And, I, you know, I think it has more to do with, you know, being in that situation, being in the, uh, you know, it, there's a lot. It, it's one thing to be in, in uh, contention to win, and then it's another thing to, to win the golf tournament and to finish up the win. And, you know, obviously it takes a, it takes a, different, a, a different breed. And, you know, Tiger obviously winning 80 two times, 81 times on the PGA Tour, he is the different breed. I will say that my guy, Tiger Woods, is a different – he's a different breed, different kind of cat, quote, you know, excuse the pun. He's a different kind of cat. Uh, but I will say through this tournament that we're looking at this current weekend, my boy Deki Matsuyama, five under, looking real good, tied for third through through the first day. My guy JT, one shot behind him. But, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, the leader today, Colin Morikawa, he didn't miss a shot. He was, I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, if he can, if he can come out and just play, you know, just a similar, just three more similar rounds of golf, not even, you know, make the putts that he did today, just come out and hit the ball that the way he did today, uh, hit the fairways that he did today. Uh, he, he'll win this golf tournament. Uh, he should have won a couple weeks ago against Xander, but he will win this golf tournament this week if he continues to hit the ball like that. But uh, let's move on, Josh, because you can't really tell anything about, about Thursday. Since I said that, Colin will probably finish dead last, probably won't even make the cut. Um, so I saw something today. I saw Nikhil Harry and Cam Newton working out. Not sure if you wanted to comment on that. Uh, the MLB schedule. What do you want to talk about? So I'll just touch on that real quick. This is not surprising. Cam Newton is going to come in from the reports that I'm hearing, Kyler. Cam Newton is going to be able to come in and start day one. He is going to be the uncontested starter, and he's going to make an impact. This is going to be a run-heavy team. 
a defensive-minded team under Bill Belichick, they're going to want to be able to do things the, the Patriot way, Bill Belichick's way. But if Cam Newton is healthy, look for the Patriots to surpass 200 yards rushing their first week of the NFL. Oh, I, I think we could see the Patriots surpass that a lot. Um, with Cam, I think really unhandcuffed. The handcuffs are going to be off of Cam. They're going to be. They're going to tell him, "Hey, we don't have any more designed run plays for you." But uh, you know, if you can run, run it. If you can scramble, scramble. Where that in Carolina, that was uh, shunned basically. So, um, and you know, the run plays were installed, and he was, you know, he's probably the most dominant, most explosive weapon on third and short the NFL's ever seen. And that's the difference is, you know, the the Panthers are trying to be so cautious with him. Where Bill Belichick has him for a year, and he's like, you know what, screw it. Go out there, run your life out. Run whatever you can do. Get me whatever yard you can. Get me to the playoffs. I don't give a shit about what your body's going to go through. Just get me to it. Well, it was just it was just so backwards, Josh, what, what the Panthers were doing, just saying like, hey, you know, don't scramble. You know, only only pass in these passing situations. Never scramble. But then we're going to have all these designed run plays instead. It, is, it didn't make much sense to me from, the, um, from when I heard it and, you know, kind of looked back on those years. Um, but let's get into MLB if you don't have any more on that. No, that's, that's it for me. Let's get into the MLB. What do you got? So uh, they've came out with their revised schedule uh, to begin on July 23rd. And all the clubs are going to face division foes only and regional interleague opponents. So, uh, for example, AL East versus NL East. Um, Yankees versus Mets, for example, is going to be uh, a series that will take place on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and that is the first time that the Subway Series will take place on that date. Uh, they will also host the Mets during 4th of July weekend, so something to note there, Josh. Uh, what dates are you looking forward to in the release from the MLB? Well, the Yankees are my team, so uh, exactly what you said, those are the dates that I'm looking for. Uh, especially on 9-11, that's such a special day. You know, that's kind of what, what I have my own, what I have my eye on here. This is going to be such a fantastic series, a fantastic game on 9-11. I can only imagine the theatrics and the things that will happen. Uh, if you were an American, it would give you chills down your spine. So what is the pre, what is the uh, preseason quote-unquote going to look like here are they going to have any warm-up games or are we hopping right in with the Yankees Nationals on the 23rd so uh right now they're actually at preseason they're at their uh spring training they've been doing uh so everything you've been seeing kind of online the different sim games the different uh different things like that that's pretty much what they're what they're calling a spring training so um they're going to feature a lot of inner squad uh, a lot of inner squad scrimmages that are really starting to ramp up um probably next week and the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then we'll get right into things on the 23rd. So that Yankees Nationals game is really going to kick everything off, which makes me so happy as a Yankees fan. Bring on the Nationals and let's crush them the first game back into the season. So if you think about it, Josh, uh, how many games are in a normal regular season? 150. Is that right? 152? 152. So uh, there's 152 games. So now we're playing 62 games, however many. It's basically one-third of the games. So each game, um, or each series, I should say, no, each game represents a series, right? Yeah, damn near. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to – I think the uh, – I mean, we've heard a lot of teams say, you know, any team is going to be able to make, make a run at the playoffs. But I think kind of the sense of urgency, uh, we're going to see that shine from the beginning. I mean, because just that fact that we named there. Uh, that's pretty much all I've got on that. Um, the All-Star game, I guess, uh, a notable a notable date, July 13th. Um, do you know how they're doing the voting for that? I have not seen any voting for the All-Star game at this point. So that kind of doesn't make any sense to me, how they're going to do the All-Star game uh, a month from today, basically, uh, when we haven't seen a pitch of baseball. Yeah, well, you know, you would think if it's starting on the 23rd that they would have it mid-August uh, with such a short season to be able to see, you know, who's playing well at the time uh, to come out. That's, that's the thing uh, we'll get into here in a minute, but there are a lot of decisions being made early right now. Now I'm reading, Josh, that uh, they may have canceled the All-Star. I mean, they, I, I thought they had canceled the All-Star game, but I'm reading here from USA Today that uh, – Atlanta will host the 91st All-Star Game on July 13th at Truist Park. 
it's Atlanta's first All-Star game since 2000. I'm not real sure. I guess we'll figure out uh, in a couple of weeks when we see an All-Star game or we don't. Uh, so let's kind of get into the bubble. Uh, an update on that food. Josh, it was only for a couple of days. So uh, they were only – we talked about Troy Daniels' uh, tray last time on the show, his uh, airplane food tray. Um, it, it was only for, for the quarantine. Uh, once they're out of quarantine, it becomes more like a hotel. You can get a full room service, full chefs. Also, um, six different restaurants for delivery service, including a Joe's Crab Shack. I know you're a fan, Josh. So did you see Joel Embiid's comments on this? I did see that he got out of his uh, car in a full hazmat suit today. But did you see what he said about the food? No, I didn't. He took a picture of what he was eating at the bubble. Yeah. Uh, that was Thursday evening, late Thursday. <laughs> a tiny piece of chicken, a salad, and everything else that we named in the last episode. And he put it on his Instagram story and said, definitely losing 50 pounds. He put a picture of himself and then I think a picture of Taco Fall and said, me by the time I'm done here, LMAO. <laughs> Joel Embiid's so damn funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what his food eats. Yeah, his food eats that little, uh, that small <laughs> meal before uh, Joel Embiid hunts it down and kills it himself and eats it. Uh, yeah, I knew from the get-go, guys like that were going to be upset seeing that meal. Uh, but uh, like I said, it's just for the quarantine. So once they get out of that little 48 hours, they'll be good to uh, order some steaks, order whatever they like. Uh, so that's good to hear. But uh, – you know, we did see today Rondo came out. Uh, I don't know if you saw his Instagram story, Josh, uh, complaining about the the shitty hotel they stuck him in. I mean, how much were they? How much are they paying, Josh? Like twelve ninety nine a night? What's going on there? So I actually did not get to see Rondo's post, uh, but you have to think. I mean, they're in they're in Disney. Josh, he's staying in a very nice hotel room. There's not one thing that I, uh, like, there's not one thing you can look around that hotel room and, like, pick out and say, that's what's wrong with this hotel room. That's why he's upset. It's just, it's just because, like, NBA players are just so accustomed to, uh, you, I mean, obviously, Josh. The Ritz, Carlton, the Four yeah, Seasons. You're literally in Disney. Like, you were in ESPN affiliate Disney. Calm down. You were in a bubble. You were getting to play basketball for millions of dollars. Well, for sure, You Josh. are in a... You were in a fantastic facility. There, you have no reason to gripe here. I mean, for, for sure, I understand your your side here, but they're also thirty five. Rondo, he's a what a thirty four year old, 34, 34 35 year old millionaire, multi, multi, multi millionaire, who, who is has staying a, at Disney, who has a real, who's staying in a dorm, basically, uh, an, a four star hotel room, uh, a, a a nice. Sheraton Inn, uh, you know, a, a nice residence, extended extended stay. It's a pretty nice hotel room. Can't lie to you, Josh. It looks like it's a about one hundred and seventeen dollars a night, if I had to guess. Like it, like a nice Marriott, for sure. Nothing too nice. Probably an outdoor pool. Maybe it's indoor. It's probably indoor, but could be outdoor. But it's a, it is a, it is a nice hotel that they shouldn't have reason to gripe. What is it? What is his complaint? What's his biggest complaint? But he's a 35 year old multi multimillionaire. What is his there biggest for, complaint? He's there for, think about this. So these guys, these guys that's coming with the nets, whoever they're signing from the big three tournament, they're going to be there for a week. And then they're going to get beat by Giannis by a thousand points. And they're going to go home. Rondo's going to be there for three months. Uh, so, I mean, I understand. What's the biggest gripe. complaint? It, it, it's a dorm room and he and he's accustomed to a 10 million dollar mansion someone should have explained that to him before he went to the bubble definitely and you know i think somebody somebody said this i can't really remember who we were expecting this from the media members and we're we're getting it from the players yeah no this should have i mean this was you have to think this was already explained you can you know run as my one of my top three top three favorite players of all time. This was explained to him beforehand. And you go into this bubble with expectations, knowing what you're going to be living like. It was just so funny. He, he took a picture of his room and he said, they got me on some, uh, on some hotel nine shit. Or he said, something <laughs> <like that. laughs> I mean, just the audacity 
to take a picture of a hotel room that is nicer than any room I've ever stayed in, I've ever lived in, and to say they got me on some Hotel Nine shit. Come on, bro. Like that. It's a real, <laughs> yeah, a little out of line, but I, I, I understand where he's coming from. Um, but I mean, like you said, maybe we'll see some players opt out, you know, get there and say, hey, you know, this is a little more than I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot, and it is. So I'm leaving. Uh, do you think it's going to happen? Not on a championship team. Not on any team that's fighting for a championship. If you have someone that's sitting on a, a team that's fighting for a championship, that is that is despicable. Despicable. So if they gonna... if they leave the bubble because they cannot get accustomed to the room that they are staying in, that is absolutely. Well, I mean, ridiculous. I, I could argue it. It would even. It would be even. Uh, just as detrimental to a team if, if a guy didn't leave. If a guy stayed there in a room, uh, was unhappy, became toxic, uh, didn't say anything, became a bad teammate, it affected his play. And but Yeah, then, both ways. Both ways, that's terrible. But if you throw a fit and you leave, that's detrimental to yourself as a player. If you were Rajon Rondo, which Rajon Rondo is not going to do this, but if you were a 35-year-old vet who throws a fit about his hotel room, and leaves the bubble, good luck. So I'm, I'm not going to say, like, you know, throws a fit about his hotel room, but if he comes out and says, you know, like, I need to leave the bubble because, you know, I'm accustomed to this much space and I'm feeling this way about it, then I, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to say, you know, you're well, this I mean, well, you, you know, what you say is completely different if, you know, if you have a problem with your hotel room. If you're, you know, if you need time with your family, if you need time away for mental health, things like that, like a, a legit concern. But if it's just because that you were mad because you're not getting the lifestyle that you're accustomed to, no, get out of here with that. You're here to play basketball and win a championship. You're getting paid millions of dollars to do that. Get your ass somewhere else if you can't. Yeah, and they're in the uh, they're in the Grand Floridian Hotel at Disney World. So. You know, like you said, Josh, there's not a whole, whole lot to complain about, but the little bit there is, they sure are going to get it out there and uh, make sure that uh, opinion is voiced. Uh, I mean, uh, another thing, uh, a social media follow during all of this um, for everyone out there, the Portland Trailblazers. They have been absolutely fantastic during this. They had a full player takeover today, so we kind of even got a full uh, sneak peek of everything going on inside their bubble. Um, inside the different players' hotel rooms. Um, a lot of fun going on there, Josh. I've seen a lot of people suggest our idea um, of having a uh, reality show based in the bubble. So, of course, just more people stealing our idea. Uh, we called it, you know, months ahead of time. We knew it was going to be great content, and already it is. We saw the little DJ set that uh, I forgot who it was. But it was, you know, just guys being guys, dudes being dudes, having fun. Yeah, and that's what, you know, exactly what we predicted would be uh, some of the most fun about the bubble is just seeing how these guys interact with each other and what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. This is, you know, incredible to watch. We're getting some really good behind-the-scenes footage, and I think even more will come out through the, through the term of the bubble. So, Kyler, I have to ask, get to the big news uh, for me this tonight, going into the weekend, the Big Ten – College football, from all from everything that's looking like college football is going to happen from what was announced today. From what was announced today, I'm not saying that it will be, but the Big Ten is going to play in-conference games. Yeah, and the Pac-12 and the ACC are um, expected to follow. And uh, while the SEC and the Big 12 are still, you know, kind of holding out, waiting to see – uh, you know, maybe we'll get a little, an advancement. Maybe we'll get a vaccine somehow. Uh, or, you know, maybe everyone will just say, fuck it, and we'll just let the Big 12 and the SEC play each other. We'll just drive back and forth from Alabama to Oklahoma. Well, and that's, actually, and that's exactly uh, the point that I was going to bring up to you. All these other conferences are saying, you know, only in-conference games, we're going to kind of, you know, shy away, be cautious, you know, which not shy away is the wrong word there. Be cautious, you know, take precaution. Do what they, you know, them and their school feels like they need to do. But if you're the big two of the SEC, OSU, Oklahoma State University, is playing Nevada week one. Nevada is not going to play week one, Kyler. Nevada is not going to play OSU week one. 
No. So then you can go over and look at Arkansas. Arkansas, sorry, Arkansas is playing Nevada. Arkansas is playing Nevada week one. Oklahoma State is playing Oregon State week one. Oregon State and Nevada are not going to play week one. No. Why can't we, Oklahoma State and Arkansas, get together and say, hey, look, your, your team canceled, my team canceled. Let's make up this game. Let's play. Yeah, that's a great idea, Josh. I think I think we could see something like that, kind of like the MLB MLB is doing uh, with just kind of you know uh, cross conference uh, regional matchups. I think that's a great idea. You know, we we could see some uh, some potential really great you know cross state matchups between Arkansas, Colorado, and uh, Arkansas, yeah, Colorado, Texas too. Um, so and so also another thing is there's a good chance that Texas and Texas A and M get canceled. I know a lot of people think this is blasphemy, but those two teams could meet week one and actually have a very good game. Absolutely. That could be, that could be huge. And this is a, I'll read a quote from one ACC athletic director, Josh quote, just trying to keep the lights on. Trying is the key word. So uh, we saw that Stanford came out. And uh, so the Ivy league were first, they came out and uh, canceled all their sports for the fall. Basically said, you know, we're canceling everything that Stanford came out and, said because we're canceling all the sports in the fall, we're having to cut all of these sports that are funded by all the sports in the fall. Uh, So, and I think that's kind of uh, a domino effect. I think that a lot of the teams saw, a lot of the conferences saw that, a lot of the athletic directors saw that and say, hey, you know, the smart people in the room have made a decision. Uh, Maybe we should make a decision pretty soon too. And I think that's kind of what we saw um, their own version of the Big Ten doing. And I'm, I'm hoping it stands up. I'm hoping that's what happens. You know, we get some conference play in the fall. But, Josh, I, I think I'm more leaning towards a spring season. And Lincoln Rally would agree with you. It seems like Lincoln Rally is agreeing that a, a spring season is more likely. And even if it is, you have to worry about, you know, some of these teams, uh, you know, being cautious and not playing and uh, moving the schedule towards the spring. And if it is, we could still even see some of these games – getting rescheduled depending on what happens with the coronavirus and uh, schools opening back up. So, you know, this is something to monitor if we don't get college football in the fall, what is this going to look like in the spring and what teams are going to participate? Well, I mean, you saw, you mentioned Lincoln Riley. He came out and said that, and I thought it was pretty notable that he said that. Uh, I mean, because I think he would even be rooting for, for a spring season just because of the success they would have in the spring. So first off, Clemson, uh, Trevor Lawrence is not playing in, in the spring season. He's not going to play two months before the NFL draft. It's just not going to happen. He's already the number one pick. That's solidified. He will sit, sit out if there's not a fall season. Uh, so Clemson's out. That automatically puts OU in the top four at least. So that puts them in the playoff. And, I mean, if you, if you knock off, you know, the powerhouses, if you knock off the guys that, you know, just dominate that – are so tough to knock off the, you know, the Alabama, the Clemsons, then OU might be able to get them one. Yeah, and they have such a nice quarterback coming in as a recruit. And Caleb Williams, Spencer Radler's there as well. This is going to be a team that is going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, Obviously, they're going to be good on offense. I said a few weeks ago, as long as Lincoln Riley is there in Oklahoma, that offense is going to be elite. It's going to matter what pieces that they brought in defensively and how they're going to fit into the puzzle. Josh, their defense is bad. It's not good. It's bad, dude. But I offense, uh, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, they brought back 11 of their starters on defense. Oklahoma State ha- is looking real promising. With Chuba Hubbard and the quarter and, you know, everything that they have going in that program, with Mike Gundy taking a uh, year off of salary and a million-dollar pay cut, uh, you know, this is sending a huge sign to the organization that he is committed and that he's going to be better. And if he can be better, this team has a legit shot to make a uh, run for the playoffs. Did you see what Harbaugh said about, uh, about Corona? I have not. So he basically Which Harbaugh? Said, uh, I, 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 I'm pretty sure it was Jim. So uh, pretty much Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are absolutely preparing for, for a college football season in the fall. Um, they're pretty much in full swing of things in their workouts. Uh, full coaches meetings will be on July 24th, but – you know, and I guess kind of until then, Jim Harbaugh is kind of waiting out to see, uh, you know, what exactly is going to come down from, um, you know, different commissions, different uh, leagues in general from the NCAA. But he pretty much said that, uh, you know, 
football didn't start Corona. And, you know, so it's not really football's fault. So we're just going to play. How about that? <laughs> well, you still have to take the precautions and see, you know, what's going to happen. With all these other sports operating in a bubble, it's hard to see college football not implementing uh, something to be safer. I'm sure that they will. But I, I don't know that you can just look at it as, uh, as that black and white. He definitely is. Uh, Josh, that's pretty much all the headlines I have. Um, do we have anything else we want to get to before we get into kind of our extended fantasy football Friday? Uh, we did the, uh, the NFC West a couple of weeks ago. So this is kind of an extended piece of that. Kyle Madsen on. He's a producer for a radio show in San Francisco. He's a beat writer for the 49ers. Uh, so really excited to have him on. It's a really fun interview, really fun conversation we have with him. Uh, do we have anything, Josh, that you want to get to before the ad? No, this is fantastic. This is, was a, a great, great deal of headlines, a great interview with Kyle. I was really glad that he came on with us, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting into it. Well, let's get to it, Josh. What do you have to say about Anchor? Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, Kyler, today we have on a very special guest, Kyle Madsen, producer at 95.7 The Game. Uh, Kyle, thanks for coming on with us today. Yeah, of course, guys. So, uh, obviously, there's a, a lot going on right now. Uh, let's get right into it a little bit. Uh, let's talk uh, NBA. So, uh, how excited are you that our basketball is about to come back? Um, I'm excited to have sports on again where I don't already know the outcome, which, which yeah. is going to be awesome. Uh, I'm trying to temper my excitement a little bit because I'm not 100% certain there's going to be like a full season and we're going to get a champion and such. But uh, I, I'm, I'm glad they're giving it a shot and that in three weeks, I guess, we're going to have live basketball games. So you think it's actually somewhat likely that we see a start of the bubble and not a finish? Yeah, yeah, I think that's about as likely right now as as not seeing, uh, um, or as seeing a champion. I I think there's an equal likelihood that that we don't. Ooh, you know? I, I I think if we started, I think we finished. I I think the big thing is going to be starting it though for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I mean a lot can change in three weeks, so I I that wouldn't surprise me either. Where something happens where everybody's kind of down there and then. Uh, the league just decides that it's not worth it or they have they have a bad outbreak inside the bubble or, you know, enough star players come down sick that, that they wind up just punting the idea. But uh, they're not on the same kind of, of schedule crunch as, as like as Major League Baseball. Um, so even if they have to push it back a little bit, I, I think they're still going to give it a shot. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they do start and then wind up having to pull the plug because things got out of hand. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to watch is going to be uh, in the next, like even what you guys said, the next three weeks to see if tests come back positive and what happens uh, there. Because if we start seeing people test positive once they're in the bubble, that's bad news bears for the NBA. Yeah, because the whole the whole thing is like they're doing the bubble so they don't have – like they can control an outbreak if it happens, but if one happens inside the bubble, it's like you're out of ideas. There's not like there's not a plan B if if things go wrong in Orlando. So um, I trust that the league isn't going to start if they don't think they have things under control. And I know that's why they got people there early was so they can uh, see how things are going to go and and start to kind of work through some of the processes. Um, so. I, I'm not super confident, but like I said, I'm, I'm glad they're giving it a shot. So what would you say uh, would constitute it being out of hand? If like, if they just have like a mass outbreak, like, like 35 people, 35 players test positive where it's just going to wipe out like half of three teams and one team's entire start, like just where – 
they reach a point where teams have two guys on their bench because they have a bunch of players out. Um, that that to me, it's I think it's going to take a lot for them if they if they start because I, I agree with what Kyler said. If they start, I think they're going to do everything they can to kind of keep it keep it going. So to stop it once it starts, it would have to it would have to take quite a bit. I think. So what is so let's go from this at a different angle. What is your team heading into the bubble? You know who what is well not heading into the bubble. What who, what is your home team? I'm a I'm a Warriors fan. Uh, 95-7 the game is the uh, is the um, flagship station for the Golden State Warriors. I grew up a Warriors fan out here in the Bay Area. Um, so I'm re- I'm rooting for the Bucks. I really want to see Giannis win. Really like him as a person, um, and I want to see a different team win. Uh, Kawhi winning with a third team would be awesome too. Um, and the Clippers getting their first title would be would be really cool. So uh, I'm rooting for the Bucks, but I wouldn't be sad to see the Clippers win. I'd also like to see the Raptors repeat. I think that would be really cool because I don't think enough people are talking about the Raptors. So does anyone but LeBron? Kinda, but like, <laughs> but I don't dislike LeBron. Uh, it's just like it's the Lakers. It's like we've seen the Lakers win before. That's nah, I'm over it. This would be um, LeBron's third team too, so that makes me excited. Yeah, he's. It, I'm I'm in the <laughs> I don't know I I don't really want to open this can of worms but I'm in the camp that like LeBron is the best basketball player ever. Um, I've been there like I, I was born in '90, so I don't my recollections of Jordan are are very very vague. And so LeBron is the best basketball player I've ever seen. He's probably the best basketball player I'm ever gonna see. Uh, the fact he went to the finals nine times, I don't care that he lost six. Like, he got there nine times, and he went up against a, a Warriors team that was that was loaded uh, all, all four times he played them. So, uh, I, I don't hold the six losses against him necessarily. So, uh, you know, LeBron winning another one wouldn't make me upset. Like, I wouldn't actively root against him. Um, I, I just want to see some somebody different get one. So, it's funny that, you know, you're with the station that covers Golden State Warriors because – Kyler and I are actually uh, based over here in Oklahoma, and so uh, hometown theme are the Thunders. That's uh, you know who. We, oh man! So uh, it's a little bit of a tough subject here that I won't go into in this episode. <laughs> I'm actually uh, I'm actually um, under the opinion I've, I have a firm opinion that by the end of his career, uh, Kevin Durant will be the greatest player we've ever seen. So uh, you won't get any argument out of me um, about that LeBron James take. I. If he hmm, – the Achilles injury worries me for sure uh, in that regard, but if he comes back 100%, um, yeah, I, I think he could absolutely get there. Like, the guy's going to be able to score until he's 45. I mean, yeah. he's, he's incredible. Well, let's uh, switch gears here. Let's uh, go towards the NFL. So, we know that you cover the Niners on the Niners Wire. You're the, you know, you're the managing editor with the Niners Wire. So let's talk that a little bit. First off, the biggest news going around is the Moster – trade rumors so is he going to get traded or are we going to see him in a Niners uniform I think we're still going to see him in a Niners uniform because he doesn't have a ton of leverage here he he can hold out but the 49ers are are, they'll explore the trade market they'll probably tell most are like yeah go see if a team wants to trade for you and then sign you to a, a bigger deal than the one you're getting but teams just aren't paying running backs, much less a 28-year-old running back in an offseason where we don't know what training camp or the preseason is going to look like. Uh, he has 170 career carries. He was awesome at the end of last year. Like, don't get me wrong. He was a really good player, and uh, he was obviously dynamite in the NFC title game with 220 yards and four touchdowns. But, like, it, it, this isn't Ezekiel Elliott we're talking about. This isn't Christian McCaffrey. It's it's Raheem Mostert. Like he's he's a he's a good player, but teams are probably going to hesitate to to sign him to a four and a half five million dollar contract. Uh, so I I, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. I, I think he winds up staying with the 49ers. I think the Niners wind up paying him a little bit more, which which is what he obviously wants. Um, so I I think they get some kind of deal done there, and and I, and I think he stays. So with this, uh, with most are staying there with this committee that they're in, uh, will he be the running back one, or is Tevin Coleman? Do you think that he is going to take over that that RB one spot? So it wouldn't surprise me to see Tevin Coleman continue to start games the way he did last year, but 
there were a bunch of games at the end of the season. I forget exactly how many. I think it was four or five where he started and got like five touches. And mm-hmm. Coleman's still going to play a ton of snaps because he can do everything. He can split out in the slot. He can split out wide. He's a good pass blocker. Mostert is is not capable of doing that stuff. He had 180 receiving yards last year, and 152 of them came after the catch. It was a lot of screens. It was a lot of just kind of quick stuff out of the backfield. He's not a guy that you can split out wide and have him run a route against a, a corner or a linebacker or a safety. And that that hurts his his viability as a number one running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like, you, you have to be able to do a little bit of everything uh, for the 49ers and Mostert, as good as he is in that outside zone running scheme, he's not that excellent pass catcher that they can they can rely on uh, in the passing game. So uh, I I think that I, I think that Mostert probably leads the team in carries this year and leads the team in touches. But I, I think Coleman will continue to split the snaps probably pretty evenly. And that's pretty important for Kyle Shanahan's hands offense. Like you said, that's one of the best offensive minds in, in the NFL right now. And so that's a, it's a big part of the NFL or the Niners success is the fact that Kyle Shanahan can scheme up the things that he's been able to and uh, make this a pretty run heavy offense. Do you think that Jimmy G's arm is going to get involved a little bit more this year uh, other than just throwing to Kittle? Well, who's he going to throw to? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so, in regards to is Garoppolo going to throw more? Yeah, I think I think he is. I think last season his attempt numbers got skewed down quite a bit from early in the year when he was still coming back off that ACL. I don't know if you guys remember his first game back against Denver in the preseason was atrocious. Like, it was abominable. And you could tell he was just not right on his leg quite yet. And I think that they were they were very cognizant of that cognizant of that early in the year. And so they didn't lean on him unless they absolutely had to. And then you get both games against Arizona. They had the the game there in New Orleans where they had to put it on his right arm and, and they're not afraid to do that. So I think they'll have to do that a little bit more this year because I don't think their defense is going to be able to replicate what it did last season. And I think they're going to give up some more points, which is going to mean uh, playing from behind a little bit more and, and having to open up the offense. So uh, I do think Garoppolo throws more. What, where those passes go, if, if Debo Samuel's going to miss any kind of time with that Jones fracture in his foot is, is a great question. Kendrick Bourne uh, came on last year, but as like a third receiver, like he, he's a really good third down option type guy, red zone threat, um, but he's not going to do a ton after the catch. He's, he's not going to stretch the defense vertically. Um Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd, two guys who were hurt last year. Don't know how much you can rely, rely on them. Brandon Ayuk, he's a rookie who's had no on-field time with the coaching staff yet. He's going to get whatever version of training camp there is, maybe a preseason game or two, and then he's going to be uh, in live action. So you don't know how much you'll be able to rely on him early in the year. Like Dante Pettis, he was great as his for five weeks in his rookie season and hasn't hasn't really done anything otherwise. It's a it's the single biggest question on the 49ers roster for me going in is, is what do they do at receiver? And that's even if Samuel's healthy. If, if he's hurt, I, I have no idea what, what the plan's going to be. With which the, or which with the pushback of the season or potential pushback, you know, there's been rumors of everything right now. It's still early. Uh, but if there was a pushback on the season, even if it was a week or two, that helps Debo Samuel return, even if not the beginning of the season, a little bit quicker uh, you know, to get that one wide receiver back out there, which we all know that Kittle's gonna gonna catch a ton of balls and you know produce at a high level as a pass catcher for this team. They, like you said, they lack in wide receiver production. I'm actually very high on Jalen Hurd. I'm hoping that uh, he's gonna be able to find a, a niche in the offense in the red zone, uh, just being such a big target. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I was really high on him coming out of college, so I'm I'm looking I'm looking to see good things out of Hurd this season. And you know, like what you said, Brandon Ayuk's a rookie coming out of no playing time, but a lot of people have been super high on Ayuk. And do you think that he's capable to live up to that hype? Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if early on he gets used a lot like Debo Samuel did last year, early in the season, a lot of just bubble screens, quick slants, those jet sweeps, because Ayuk is a super explosive athlete. And I think they're going to try and take advantage of that and then kind of put more on his plate as the season goes along. 
Hurd is such an interesting player because his ceiling is incredible in this offense. It's one where he's playing probably three or four different positions and he's scoring touchdowns from, from a couple different positions and he's, he's running the ball as a running back and he's uh, playing in the slot and he's splitting out wide and he's playing some tight end. I, I'm, I'm very high on Jalen Hurd's ceiling. I'm unsure if he'll be able to, to plug into all those spots right away, but even even like you said, even his floor, like is a is a red zone threat either as a running back or as just a uh, a big pass catching target in that area of the field. I think he'll contribute if he's healthy. And by all accounts, he's he's nearly a hundred percent coming back from a back injury. And then they they also drafted in the seventh round Juwan Jennings out of Tennessee, who is not fast. I think he ran a four seven two at the combine, which is like super <laughs> slow for a receiver. Uh, but he's really good after the catch, which is something that, that Kyle Shanahan covets. Uh, he broke tackles. Pro Football Focus had him breaking tackles on 51% of his catches, which was the highest rate uh, in the draft class. So he's going to get some opportunities, too. I don't know if he'll make the team, but uh, I, I think he'll fill a similar role to, to Hurd in the passing game if, if he does make the club. So uh, I'm not exactly sold on Jimmy G. Uh, he really just hasn't done anything uh, to sell me so far. So uh, – <laughs> Man, he's, you said he's your guy. Um, do a little selling for him. Why should I uh, buy in on Jimmy G? Uh, in a fantasy aspect, uh, especially going into this year, we're talking about all the targets that he doesn't have. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any stock in Jimmy G, or why should I buy some? So, hmm. <laughs> uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is just like, – he's, he's, he's good. Like, he's fine. Like, he's not – I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP candidate. I I don't think he's ever going to throw for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. I, I do think he was better than the, the perception of him last year. And I do think that when you look at what Matt Schaub did in a second full season under Kyle Shanahan, I, uh, when you look at what Matt Ryan did in his second full season under Kyle Shanahan, I don't think Garoppolo's ceiling is Matt Ryan's 2016 season because he was just so freaking remarkable. And Matt Ryan, frankly, is just a better quarterback than Garoppolo. But uh, what Matt Schaub did in that second season under under Shanahan is the season I kind of have circled, uh, where it's it's mm-hmm. 43, 4,400 yards, you know, 30-ish touchdowns, and then keeping the interceptions down. That's the biggest thing with Garoppolo is he can make all the throws. Um, he's really good in the middle of the field. He has a quick release. Uh, he needs to cut down on his interceptions, though. He threw 13 last year. It probably could have been closer to 16 or 17. He had a, a couple pretty easy ones dropped. Uh, so that that's the biggest thing I'm I'm looking for from him this year is is his decision making, um, and if if he can improve that, uh, I, I think that's really the biggest flaw in his in his game right now. From a fantasy standpoint. It depends a little bit on your league, I guess, and your and your your strategy. I, I have some friends who are like, I'm taking the best quarterback in the first round, which I think is insane. But um, if you're sitting there later in the draft and you're sitting in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round or something, and you don't have a quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there, I think you could do worse for sure. Um, but he's not. He's not. I don't. I don't have enough faith in him to to be like, oh yeah, dark horse he can win you your league. Um, so I, I would, I would exercise caution when buying stock on Jimmy Garoppolo for sure. I, I need, I need to see a, a year of improvement from him before I'm buying. All of him. And from a real world, a real world perspective, he did just make it to the Super Bowl with, you know, not having to throw as many targets as he could have. He did allow that helped him to get to a Super Bowl, which is a huge thing. Uh, even if he's not out there throwing for 400 yards and, Three touchdowns a game. He did do enough to get to the Super Bowl, kind of like an Alex Smith role. Uh, obviously, he didn't get to the Super Bowl, but he got into the playoffs. And that's a that's a big role. Ryan Tannehill. So uh, I've got one, another question for the 49ers here. What do the 49ers need to do to not suffer from the Super Bowl hangover? Uh, I think that their defense needs to be – I think the offense is going to be on point. I think the offense is going to be good – regardless of like for all the talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and how not good he was or how how much he struggled last year they were second in the league in points scored 
Um, and, and they went to New Orleans and they they beat the Saints in a game that, like, when you look at how the seeding wound up, wound up deciding the number one seed. Uh, so the Niners are going to score points, I think, uh, regardless of, of what the defense does. So to avoid the Super Bowl hangover, their defense has to be really good again. I think that's going to start with the pass rush. It's uh, Nick Bosa taking that step into that kind of elite category that that he he sort of reached last year. But um, I, I think there's another level he can get to. Javon Kinlaw, the number 14 pick, who's going to replace DeForest Buckner, has to be good and be able to contribute right away. D Ford had surgery on his knee uh, after battling knee tendonitis all year last year. He's supposedly going to be healthier, and he's talking about how he's more explosive and he's uh, feeling healthier than he has in a long time. But uh, I'm a little bit dubious of that. Uh, but if if he's doing that, when he and Bosa are on the field together, their pass rush is really good, and they're really hard to stop. So if if that defense is as good as it was last year and uh, – their offense kind of hums at the rate I think it's going to go. I, I think they'll be fine, and they'll be in that 11-12 win range. Now, if their defense takes a significant step back where um, they're having to play from behind a lot, that's that's where I think you, they might fall into that, you know, 9-10 win range where uh, they lose some games maybe they shouldn't. Well, we've got Kyle Matson on, uh, producer 95-7 the game. Uh, going to get into the last thing I really want to talk about here, Kyle. So, obviously, the big news, uh, we just had our first half-a-billion-dollar episode on Wednesday, but the Patrick Mahomes contract coming out, how does this change things for players like Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson? I don't know if it changes things for them because I wouldn't be surprised if if the Texans and the Cowboys look at their quarterbacks and go, hey, look, you're great, but like it's Patrick freaking Mahomes, man. And I, I think that's the right way to look at it. Uh, like Mahomes is down 24 nothing in a playoff game and won by double digits. That's unheard of. It, like easily what it wasn't a fluke win. He's like he's he's that good. He's that special. So I don't think this is going to be one of those one of those deals where like Jimmy Garoppolo signed his deal with the Niners in the the 2018 offseason and then was the highest paid player in the league for 33 days until Kirk Cousins signed his deal. And then I think Matt Ryan came after that uh, and was the ne- now the highest paid player. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the highest paid player in the league for like a while. I, I don't think it's going to be the the kind of continued growth where Dak Prescott can now go, I want $1 more than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I, I, I think that it maybe ups that price a little bit where Dak Prescott might be able to say, look, Patrick Mahomes is getting 45. I'll take 40 a year, and we'll call it good. And I think Deshaun Watson might might try and do the same thing. Um, now, do those teams wind up uh, going 10 years with those guys and following that model? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Because, like I said, Patrick Mahomes is just that special that, that he earned that kind of contract. Right, yeah. I think the years is more of a – locking down him as the face of the franchise and, you know, hoping they at least get one or two Super Bowls in that 10-year span. Uh, so let's hear a roadmap before we get, before we get you out of here. Uh, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, let's hear the roadmap for the 49ers back to the Super Bowl. Uh, win all the games. All of them? <laughs> no. Uh, they, it, like I said, I think it, I think it, starts, it starts with staying healthy. If Debo Samuel is healthy and that the offense is is if Debo Samuel's healthy, they get Trent Taylor or not Trent Taylor, Trent Williams stepping in at left tackle and providing an improvement there. Um and, and they they are humming on offense and then they get on the defensive side. I mentioned all those things earlier where they continue to have a top they don't even need a top one or two defense. If they have a top five to eight defense I, I think that's going to be plenty for for the offense to to win 11 12 13 games again so I think I think that's really the roadmap is staying healthy and then the defense replicating or replicating close to what it did last season even if it does take a step back as long as they don't fall into the kind of middle of the pack uh defensively I think that that the Niners are are at least going to make a deep playoff run.
Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. We love talking about uh, football, especially diving into specific teams like the 49ers. Uh, listeners out there, make sure you catch him on 95.7 The Game. Once again, Kyle, thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Thanks, guys. Thank you, buddy. Well, Kyler, we always love to have some uh, wonderful insight on, especially when we get into the specifics on teams and players and what that's going to look like. Kyle is a, uh, a great resource and a great tool for us to be able to have on the show. Uh, I was so happy to be able to have him on today. It was a lot of fun, Josh. It should be a fun weekend. Uh, mine will be full of baseball, will be full of golf, and it also will feature Fight Island on Saturday night. Uh, so let's do a little bit of the de Degenerates Den. Still, still trouble with that one. Uh, while you were reading that nice ad about Anchor and listening to that interview, um, I went ahead, Josh, I lit the fire. I, I got some robes ready. I've got the drinks poured. I've got the cigars lit. So let's hop into the, the Degenerates Den. How about it? Let's get in it. So Masvidal versus Usman. I'm so excited about this, Josh. I, I kind of explained it to you um, when we talked about it on Monday. Thinking about these two guys across from each other in the octagon, you know, Herb Dean is, uh, you know, listing off the rules. You know, guys, I need a clean, hard fight. You know, leave it all, leave it all out here, guys. Keep, you know, keep it above the waist. No eye shots. Josh, I'm getting anxious sitting here in my home, in my chair, thinking about that moment look sometimes we wonder you know whether or not these guys actually don't like each other or if they're just trying to sell tickets I don't think that these guys like each other I think that this is a this is bad blood this is a feud in the making and there has been these guys are ready to duke it out they're ready to get into the octagon and they're ready to to talk a few things with the gloves that's what's going to happen Josh I mean for sure the the money helps the ten million dollar paycheck or however much it is that he that that uh, Masvidal is getting for taking this fight on six days notice, flying to Abu Dhabi to fight the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. I'm sure the ten million dollars helps, but fucking hating this Kamara Usman guy definitely helps the BMF in his case of preparing for this fight of taking this fight on such short notice, uh, and that's why I'm picking. Masvidal to win I mean it's going to be either KO or TKO and it's going to be in the I mean it's obviously going to be in the first three rounds first two rounds and that's plus 1100 so pretty good money on that uh and fight goes the distance is minus 188 so a, a little bit of a favorite there you can uh you can at least put your put you know 20 bucks on that on the uh fight that won't go the distance you could that's a for sure winner yeah, give me going TKO Masvidal in the third. Masvidal TKO in the third. You've got it. You've got Masvidal winning as well. Yeah, with the TKO in the third. Uh, yeah, I could. That's what I'm hoping for, Josh. But like I said, man, I'm 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 anxious. I'm anxious thinking about it. This is one of those fights that's going to keep me up tonight, and I'm going to be uh, ready to watch it all day tomorrow. And this is going to keep me on the edge of my seat all day. I mean, yeah, it's it's big reward, big risk, big reward for uh for both guys. Yeah, because you know, for Masvidal, if you come out and you get your ass kicked, you can say, "Well, I only had six days to prepare." But if you come out and you do some ass kicking, you can't say, "Look what I did! It was only six days." I'm the to BMF. Would you expect? exactly? I had six days and I came out and did this. What more do you want from me? I I had six days. I uh, cut 20 pounds of weight, I flew to Abu Dhabi, and I knocked out your champion. I'm the BMF. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see. I hope so anyways. But, I mean, I had somebody ask me, Josh, they said, why, are you, why do you feel anxious before the fight? Like, why do you, why, why do you feel anxious at home? Like, you're not, you're not fighting. I just know something bad is about to happen. This match is going to be one of the most intense matches that we've seen in a long time on the main card, on the main stage, in Fight Island. Fight Island. Josh, there's three title fights tonight, tomorrow night. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it either, Josh. Hopefully uh, it lives up to the expectations, lives up to the hype. Hopefully the golf tournament does as well. I know Big Fire Baseball will. Go follow it on Instagram if you're not following it already. Uh, go follow 
burst your bubble on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you're not already, share our stuff. We really like it a lot. Uh, it helps us produce more content that you guys love. Josh, I had a great time talking with you today. Let's do it again on Monday. Absolutely. I will talk to you on Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye.